All right, all right. This is Marcus Monero here at the Cryptocosm. I'm here with Ike Singh Kehal. Is that, did I pronounce it right? Kehal? You did, thank you. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, anyways, I uh, excited to bring you in because I wanted to ask you some questions about events. And the particular question is, as you know, I'm in the crypto blockchain space. And you know what? I want to start my own event here in Dubai because I know it's happening. And one of the main questions I want to ask you is, uh, how can I start my own event? Should I do like a kind of like just a an, a typical event, just like a in-person event? Should I just do totally virtual, or does this hybrid thing work out? So I'll like to leave that open question to you. But before that. Uh, can you give us an origin story about yourself and how you got into the event space? Thank you, Marcus, for having me on your show. Um, yeah, so I've actually been uh, doing events for a pretty long time. I used to work at Microsoft. I uh, did that for about eight, nine years. You know, actually ended up in Dubai a few times doing events there as well. You know, so I was in a worldwide team where pretty much every two weeks I was on an airplane somewhere. Right. So uh, got to see a lot of fun places and meet amazing people all across the world. Uh, but the one thing I realized with the format that most events were following was that there was still a lot of room for improvement and the ability to scale the reach of those events. And so uh, kind of set out to create um, a virtual slash hybrid events platform. Uh, and, uh, you know, we were been at it for the last few years and certainly we did get you know traction but again uh come covid in 2020 is when we got like a massive hockey stick growth we went from about 25 people to about 230 people in a matter of four months you wow. know we have uh, again so uh, i mean from like about 10 customers to like 130 customers in a matter of five six months you know and our revenue grew upwards of 1500 percent or so in the year over year so the point is, I mean, massive growth uh, from our perspective and our industry overall grew. Um, I think this digital so-called transformation was supposed to happen. But what was supposed to happen over a period of four or five years happened in four or five months. Everything got kind of expedited wow. and we were all, all of us, I guess, across the world were thrown into this new way of doing things. Uh, now, when it comes to events per se, um, I would say... Yes, 2020 was mostly virtual. 2021, we are seeing a lot more hybrid. Uh, we are actually doing a series of events for the United Nations across the world. Uh, there is one event going on right now called COP26, which is, um, you know, in Glasgow, the Global Climate Change Conference. That right. is a hybrid event, right? So there's thousands and thousands okay. of people who are in person, and then there's 5x of those from all over the world online it's a great example of a hybrid event right so when you posed wow, the question okay. earlier uh about you know if, if you want to do an event for crypto you know how would you go about it so i think uh it's very simple i mean end of the day uh, crypto the movement overall the blockchain movement the cryptocurrency movement is all based on community right so yeah. getting the people together having them, you know, uh, yes, there is a bunch of online communities that are already established, right? And then, but there's a lot of people who are at different parts of the spectrum when it comes to uh, crypto and blockchain. You know, there's a lot of people who are brand new, and there's a lot of people who've had a lot of experience over the last few years. So, you know, it's just about being able to pull together 
an online format where uh, you know you have your community, uh, perpetual community, ongoing, you know, um, always on, you know, um, but you also continue to do these um, events, so-called. Might there might be a monthly event that goes on in there, you know, and then every quarter there's an in-person get together as well, right? So it's, right. it's the ability mm-hmm. to have a community, having a dialogue, an ongoing dialogue, and then maybe every month there's a theme, and you talk about okay, this time you're going to talk about blockchain in banking and how is it you know changing in terms of cryptocurrencies and so forth, you know, and next month we're going to talk about you know the hottest new cryptocurrencies or whatever it be. So it could be like a so, half day event with like a few really cool speakers who can talk about that stuff, right? So it just that is kind of like injects yeah. energy into that community, right? So you can have a uh, and then yeah, you could have an annual conference where everybody gets together in Dubai. Right. And or a quarterly conference, you know, small ones in other places and then a big massive one at the end of the year or something of that kind. Right. So it's all about I think the format is not should it be virtual or in person or hybrid. It's all about engaging your audience. Right. So um, by just having a one event, a big massive event a year, which is traditionally how most people have done across many industries, they throw like this big, you know, massive event once a year. I don't really know if that's as effective because the point is you lose touch with your community until next year, right? So the point is why not keep that connection going, have your big massive online event, but then have this always on a virtual, you know, experience where you can keep on having smaller events and keep on uh, keeping that community very engaged. Okay. And that's interesting. Yeah. uh, No, I definitely agree with you when you talk about, you know, uh, about, and so having like a one massive event, uh, because I've seen many over here that I think about like uh, 50 or 60 uh, blockchain events. I mean, I mean, you can imagine there are other industries, they have their own events and stuff. So uh, yeah, because I've been to some, some are interesting, but also others, you know, like this, uh, there are like four or five events happening at the same time. So I guess uh, my next question is in terms of marketing the event and trying to, uh, what you talked about, engaging the community, engaging the, uh, I guess, the regular folks out there to come to the events and stuff. So, uh, I mean, do you have any ideas or what tips do you have for those who are trying to uh, improve the engagement for their events? Yeah, makes a lot. So yeah, so I think, again, let's just maybe go back to what is an event, right? I mean, why do people go to one? So the point is that an event, I guess we call it has three major pillars. Um, you know, the first one being content, right? So which is, sure. I want to hear from the best of the best in my industry, I really want to learn, you know, uh, and I think that is certainly always a draw, which is, okay, well, here's the people who are going to be speaking at the event, right? So that is certainly people look forward to that. Uh, but then that is what I refer to as the spark. That's not the fire. Uh, the real fire oh, is okay. when you take that spark and, you know, those chosen few, like, excite the audience. But then the second immediate thing that needs to happen after that is the ability for all of your attendees to take that learning and then discuss among themselves and learn from each other, right? Because the chosen few, 4 to 5% of the people at the event, get to talk. And then 95% of the people just sit there looking at them as if you're in kindergarten. But that's not the case, right? There's so much knowledge um, in this community of people. So you have to harness that uh, that collective knowledge of the community. 
So get the sessions going, but then give lots of um, avenues for the attendees, the other 95% people in the event to actually take that knowledge, break into smaller groups, you know, and be able to discuss those things, you know, and kind of really kind of create their own, you know, view and vision of, you know, what that means. Uh, once they've done that, the next immediate thing that people are looking for is like, okay, great. I heard from the experts. I took that knowledge, shared it among my community of people. We had round tables, you know, we did all sorts of fun, you know, deep dives, workshops into some of those topics. Now I'm really prepared to actually take action. So the next thing would be, okay, you know, I want to work with, you know, uh, vendors in the space who can help me create, you know, a blockchain around X, Y, or Z, you know, so then the immediate thing is who are the, uh, I want to take action now. So who are the vendors in the space? Who are the experts in this space who I could actually talk to about next steps, right? So learn, right. uh, you know, network, you know, and share best practices and then put things into action with the help of the, uh, you know, the vendors and the solution providers in the community. So if you can pull all these three things together, um, they don't need to be in a format traditionally like events have been. How we think about the new age of events is that there should be a pre-event phase where a, a lot of your intro content, you know, like the very, very basic hundred level content should all be put online. It's super cheap okay. to do that, right? Um, and then also give the ability for people to connect with each other. So you're watching content online, all the basic hundred level content is done. You're connecting with others, you know, who are there so that before you come to the actual event, you already have a really good idea about the content, uh, your mind is already sparked. You've already met a few people. You already have some side meetings already set up. So you're not going there with like a thousand business cards and doing that whole spray and pray networking deal, right? We all know about that. Right, yeah. So the point oh, yeah. Is, you know, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the <laughs> biggest waste of time. You know, so the point is, are you, you already want to know who are your 20 people you're going to meet there. And you've already set up those calls and those meetings and everything else. Now, the people who did the 100 level content presentation in the beginning, you can schedule time with them for a deeper dive into that because, right? So, so making the in-person event a place where you actually take action, not, hey man, what do you guys do? That should all happen online for super cheap before you come to the event, right? So that's, mm, that, that's what I'm true. referring to when it comes to creating real value. When somebody's gonna fly in, spend all that money, all that time, don't just give them hundred level PowerPoint presentations, you know, and a glass of wine. I mean, yeah, it's great, but it's, I mean, believe me, the amount of events that are going on right now, and and especially with mm -hmm. virtual coming into the picture, you're not going to get a lot of people to do that for too long, you know. No, I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, no, because like you know, because for me, when I come to events, you know, one of the things one of the things I do is I try to see, okay, what the speakers, and you know, try to absorb. Uh, some of the speakers, I know they have their own, you know, their, you know, their bio links or link trees or whatever, or, you know, what the stuff they're working on. And I try to see if there's some people who are really matched to my persona or to my uh, particular interests, you know. So, uh, yeah, because like th that's something I haven't seen uh over here in dubai but you know i looked at you know social uh 27 and you, you have your format and you know how um i'm correct me wrong you have like your boardrooms and other seg you have your segmentation i i know it's the right word but uh i mean could you elaborate i think particularly you have this thing called uh it, it, it's a 
it's, I think it's like a pr- proprietary service where you can match attendees yes, yes, to the companies. Uh, could you go like dive yeah. deep into that? I think that'll be something, you know, people would like to, uh, I think really learn, you know, mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense, Marcus. So it all kind of stems from when we re-architected our solution in 2019, keeping in mind the trends that we were seeing across the world when it comes to just regular life, right? So what is an event? An event is equal to content consumption and networking. So now what are the best use cases of content consumption that we all enjoy in our daily lives? Spotify is a great example, YouTube, Netflix, and so forth, right? So, and when it comes to online networking, LinkedIn is a pretty awesome place to do that, right? So the point is, now we took the experiences that people enjoy in their daily lives when it comes to content consumption and networking. And we thought about why do people enjoy these experiences? Now, Spotify gives you access to millions and millions of songs, but you don't have to go and click on each of those songs to to hear that, right? So the point is it understands you, understands your interests, and then puts you together with other few million people who have similar interests and says, hey, Marcus really likes these eight songs and so do these other hundred, you know, whatever, 5,000 people. But they also like this other one song which Marcus never heard. So I'm going to recommend this other song, right? So the point is, it's just that the recommendations based upon your activities and based upon your interests is what kind of creates that amazing network effect for us to discover new things and really have a relevant experience, right? So the goal is, Every person in today's world wants, hey, give me tons of stuff, but hey, the system should actually understand my needs and sift through all of that and recommend to me what you think is most relevant. So that is exactly the same principle that we are using when it comes to our event, you know, philosophy, which is, look, I mean, whenever we go to any event, right? So let it even be a 200 person networking event. 200 is not a lot of people. There'll be 50 people. Uh, You know, you get a couple of hours to do networking with them. How many people will we ever end up talking to? I mean, if we are serious, right? Maybe five, maybe yeah. 10. If you are like a really like aggressive networker, you might talk to 10 people oh, in like two That hours. is so rare though. <laughs> exactly. So the point is yeah. now, what if you could, before you went to that event, you know, you could go to a place where the system auto-matched you and said, look, Marcus, here's your areas of interest. Choose what, which are the, you know, the top ones for you. And then, hey, by the way, here is out of those 200 people in there, here is 20 people you might find interesting. So you start sending them quick messages and then you figure out, oh, wow, these five people are perfect for what I'm looking for. So when you go to that 200 person event, you know the five people you're supposed to talk to, you know, and that's the best, you know, uh, most relevant use of your time. So in the same way, I mean, our customers do events that are of thousands of people. You know, the average event is two two to 3,000 people. Now that's overwhelming, you know, so like, where do you start? You know, so the point is the system helps you to recommend to you Okay, well, out of those 2,000 people, here is the 50 you should, you know, look into. Out of those, you know, what, 100 sessions in here, here's the 20 that we think might be relevant for you. Out of those, you know, 300 booths, you know, inside the expo hall, here's the 50 you should start with, right? So just having that happen, it really uh, creates more value for the attendee to get to their goals faster, right? And so it's kind of a good matchmaking on both sides, yeah. Yeah, because this, I mean, what you shared is uh, something to, uh, quite different because the format that I'm familiar with is, you know, you got like this three day event before that you have kind of like a pre night networking session kind of deal. But again, you know, it's, uh, it's sort of a it's sort of rough, I guess for me, it's kind of kind of overwhelming, you just meet a lot of people, but uh, 
honestly, very rarely I, I actually click with somebody. But of course, you know, like when you throw in some alcohol and drinks and stuff, okay, you know, yeah, everyone sort yeah. of loosens up. But if yeah. you have the right information and uh, yeah. be able to, you know, not spend so much of your, I, I guess, your brain power and trying to like figure out who's the right person, I think that kind of really helps out uh, a lot. But uh, like, you know, as far as uh, Social 27, uh, like, uh, do you guys uh, kind of work behind the scenes when it comes to when it comes to events, yeah, or is it full stack? No, so we offer the platform, right? And then we work with. So in most cases, it is the the event owner. And again, in events, there's always a bunch of vendors involved, right? So. Uh, there is no event company which throws events just by themselves. It's, you know, there you, you hire a bunch of vendors for like a two or three month period for that event, right? So we are the event owners. We have a bunch of vendors they've hired, you know, to get the event going from all different aspects. So those are the people who actually do the so-called event management and everything else. What we provide right. is essentially the, the platform. Think of it as the venue plus the reporting and everything else, right? So... Yeah. So when anybody has to uh, work with us, you know, we do an agreement. It's an annual agreement. And, you know, people can, uh, you know, do as many events as they want over that period of time. And, uh, you know, they can have a perpetual uh, ongoing community, you know, at, on the event space. You know, so, for example, you could do a, uh, a, a launch event, um, you know, and that happens on a certain day for like two or three days. The community is still open after that, so people can come in later on and still watch the sessions that they missed out on. They can still chat with each other. Maybe you do another event in about a month based upon the learnings of the first event and so forth, right? So it's like an online community space which has these events going on inside it, you know, to keep that community, you know, uh, excited about stuff, right? So that's kind of the sure. big picture. Okay, that's okay. That's interesting, though. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, because I was about to ask about like, especially with event services, you know, I, I guess the people who are working with, within these event companies, uh, uh, have they, uh, how do you say, uh, adopted the hybrid model in terms of events or is it, or, or is there some traction or are they still trying to learn how to be, how to do hybrid events? Yep. So I think uh, in the beginning of 2020, uh, there was nobody knew among the event vendors had no idea about virtual, right? I mean, because they never did it before. Like you tell me how many virtual events you went to in 2019, right? No, there was hardly anything going on. It was all yeah. in person. So the point is 2020 was the year when a lot of the industry learned the new format, right? How to do virtual events and, and so forth. So I would say at this stage, when we are like about a year and a half or more into this new world, there's lots of people who have figured this out really, really well. You know, we have lots of partners that we work with from the event management space on an sure. ongoing basis. And yeah, they really had no idea a year and a half ago, but you know, they've really learned a lot. And then it's also our job as a platform to share our best practices so that, you know, we know, again, making our customer successful is also important to us. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, because I like the part uh, previously you talked about uh, I guess with you know with the hybrid events for say B two B events, and you, specifically it's the personalization, you know, like how do you personalize it? Uh, but I want to ask you about the future of hybrid events, uh, and the, the reason I bring this question uh, this question up is 
just recently, I'm sure you must have heard of the uh, heard of the term metaverse. You know, with yeah. Facebook changing the meta, and there's been conversation about the metaverse and virtual reality. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, I was just curious to ask you, like, what is your take on it, and do you see it kind of blend in, blend into your world, or do you have a- aspirations to enter in that space? Yes, I think very interesting question, Marcus. You know, I me mean, actually. <laughs> Somebody else asked the same question yesterday. Um, So for us, the way we think about this, so there's the metaverse, which is very similar to like a video game simulation where you go and choose your character. I mean, so it's something that has always been there in the video game world, you know, where you chose characters and so forth, you know, but what is happening is that they are, they're trying to bring that into like normal life. So for example, you and me right now, instead of, you know, being like us, you know, we would have been the characters that we feel today. Right. So Microsoft just made a bunch of announcements in the last one week where they want to bring, you know, characters into like, you know, Microsoft Teams, video calls and all that stuff. Right. So you could be like me. I'm right now. or I could, you know, be my character with my own, you know, uh, fantasy world behind me. Right. So for me uh, personally, I think, again, um, I feel that, first of all, we are not meeting as much in person. At least we are getting to see the real each other. And if if I'm only going to get to see like cartoon characters, I don't know, man. I mean, maybe I'm old school. So the point is, (laughs) but on the other side, I think, you know, but on the other side, I also know for very clearly that, you know, I've got a lot of uh, people in my company as well as in my social life who are most comfortable being a character, you know, and they love video games and, you know, they love, you you know, having an avatar of themselves and that's who they are. I mean, it's, it's, they're like, uh, sometimes I might say, well, that's not the real you. Well, they're like, who says that? I mean, you are pretending to be on camera, whoever else you want, right? So the point is, it doesn't mean if you look yeah. at the person's real face, it's the real them. The real them could be that character, right? So the point is, sure, uh, sure. I think personally, I, I, um, I fully embrace uh, whatever people want to be, you know? And so uh, with the technologies that are coming in, again, we have a lot of our technologies based on Microsoft and some of the announcements that they've made recently about, you know, the metaverse that they are planning on building with what is called Microsoft Mesh, you know, is uh, pretty interesting. And, uh, you know, oh, I will wow, certainly okay. see a version of our platform uh, sometime in the next couple of years, which would have those elements where you can decide if you want to be, you know, your this way or and or your avatar or, or whatever else. I mean, yeah, people should have the choice to be whoever they want to be. Okay, actually, uh, actually, I, I didn't know Microsoft was getting into the metaverse space. Right. Uh, what's it called again? Mesh? So Microsoft Mesh is the technology okay. that is getting used for this, you know, and, uh, but yeah, certainly they just, uh, there were some videos that were uh, shown in the last week or so. Uh, you know, where they're showing how the metaverse uh, powered by Microsoft will look like. Yeah. Okay. So the the difference between the Facebook metaverse and the Microsoft metaverse is that um, Facebook metaverse is the Facebook walled garden. So you kind of come in there, right? And you work there versus the Microsoft metaverse is anybody on Microsoft Teams. So you can, every company creates their own metaverse. So it's like this, it's kind of like the internet, right? So versus Facebook's metaverse is a walled garden. Right, so it's, it's wow. uh, that's the difference. Yeah. Okay. No, no. So no. So my my imagination just kind of like uh, blown away because because I, I I did get where you come from with um, with the face metaverse. It's like what do you call it? a wall garden? It's just like a closed off environment. But with Microsoft, 
there, I guess many other companies who are using Microsoft Teams, for example, yep. they can yep. create their own little worlds and have their own little interbridge. Okay. Yes. That's, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's, uh, because I, I, I was just thinking about like the metaverse, because to me, I'm thinking about like, you, you know, you're very like an Oculus headset and, you know, you are, uh, entering a, a virtual expo center kind of deal. And yeah. I don't know, that's, uh, yeah, so there is, there, so there is virtual reality, which yes, is uh, wearing your headset and everything else. But then there's AR, which is, you know, augmented reality in which what is going to happen is, for example, you will be sitting out there as you are right now, your okay. camera is going to be tracking your face movements. Okay. Yeah. And, but it'll, but you will don an avatar, right? So you'll become like a cartoon version of you. And, but your camera is looking at you, it's taking your voice and it's also taking your face movements and moving the avatar accordingly. Right. So it's, you don't need a headset for that. So basically, but that's, <laughs> you know, it's a cartoonish universe. It's not like a, like in virtual reality, in many cases, they have like something which is very real looking, you know? So it's just, just a bit different, a bit different. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's, no, that's fascinating. And I'm just uh, curious to know, like, uh, I mean, obviously that's going to be possible in the virtual event space, but, uh, do you have like a time frame? I know it's kind of too early to predict, yeah. but what do you think will be the time frame for say like a augmented or virtual reality style, uh, hybrid event? Do you think it's yeah, going to no. be like a couple of decades or? No, 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 not at all. It's just all coming in the next few couple of years. We are launching a mobile app very soon which will have the ability you can pick up your phone and point it at the crowd, you know, in, in the big conference, you know, and it'll, wow. like, it'll tell you, make people, you know, people's like a, you know, like a, like a icon thing on top of the head. You click on that. You understand who the person is. If they have agreed, you know, that they are okay with it. Right. That's because oh, it's right. consent. And then, you know, mm -hmm. it'll tell you in the 50 feet radius that you're standing, here's the five people that you should totally talk to. You know, so, I mean, because otherwise oh, you, know, wow. you go in a crowd in an event, you're like, okay, man, who do I start with? It just, you just look around and it'll show you like, here's those people, six people at green right next to you, go and chat with them and click on that to send them a quick, hi, it's like, hey man, I'm in the same room as you. This is my profile. What do you think? Should we have a quick drink? Yeah. Why not? So, I mean, that's, that's kind of a, okay. and that's happening. That's happening with our app. I mean, literally early next year. So that's the beginning of that world. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That, okay. That's pretty exciting. Actually, I, I can definitely see uh, a, a lot of engagement, a lot of excitement, and also in terms of uh, the social interaction. I think that's really going to uh, fly high. So I, I can see that. I can see that happen also over here too, you know. Um, but, uh, but anyway, I, actually, I want to like just go back to the, uh, I guess, your, the original social, social 27. And I think what is interesting is, I think it was like a two-person <laughs> team that started, right? And uh -huh. then from there, like, I, I was just curious about, I mean, it, it really exploded really fast. And, like, how you're able to, uh, I guess, you know, handle that incredible success and, you know, sustain it too, you know, because, you, you know, you, 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 your, your revenues are going up. You've got a lot of people onboarding in. So, like... But, you know, with all these changes coming in, like, I, I'm just curious as a CEO, as a co-founder, how you're able to, you know, like maintain that strong foundation and maybe uh, share that uh, wisdom uh, to us, you know? 
No, that's a good question. Thank you, uh, Marcus. I, I think for me, um, uh, yes, we do did grow very, very fast, you know, right from a, as I said, 20 some person company to about 200 plus people in a matter of four months in 10 different countries across the world and all that, right? So very distributed workforce. Um, but I think uh, I'll attribute a lot of uh, the ability to be able to do this uh, comes from a lot of my experience in the past. As I said, I've worked at Microsoft for a while. So, you know, uh, that really helped me cement, you know, uh, you know, the, because we were, we were part of a smaller team, which was growing and so forth, right? And so you kind of start understanding the value of processes and the value of, you know, how do you kind of plan some of these things? And so, uh, as I always say, overnight success takes about, you know, eight years, you know, so the point yeah. is, you know, over the last eight to 10 years, you know, I think it's a lot of uh, learnings. It's a lot of um lots of ups and downs. I mean, there were many times we didn't even know okay. we're going to pay, pay out 20 people, you know, at the end of the month, right? That has not uh, happened once. It has happened, I don't know, multiple times. You know, so the point is, you know, it's okay. just uh, entrepreneurship is an extreme sport. You wake up in the morning and you jump out of an airplane every day. That's how it works. You know, so the point is, uh, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun jumping out right. of airplanes. Why not? You know, but if you do it right. every day, sometimes it can become a little tedious, you know, but the point is, uh, the, the whole thing out here is go after something you really love. Okay. Because if you don't, if you're just there to make the money or just trying to, trying to just ride a wave of some kind, believe me, it's not going to help. Okay. There's, there's a very few, small percentage yeah. of people who are able to do that, but to create a real business, it takes a lot of blood and sweat, tears included. Okay, and you know sometimes you are crying, and sometimes the people around you are crying. You know, so the point yeah, is, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that. It's an extreme sport, and so the um, if you're in, if you want, like extreme sports, choose the extreme sport that you really love, and you don't mind jumping out of an airplane every day. Then go for it. You know, because yeah, yes, we have. I mean, according to the world view, we are successful at this stage. You know, but sure, I think right. for us, success was to be able to do what you love doing every day. For me, that is success. Right. So the point is, according mm -hmm. to our own mental makeup, I think for myself and our team, we were already having a great time. Uh, yeah. Now we have more financial resources. I agree. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. No, because, uh, you know, the reason I ask is, uh, you know, because I know you also have a, you have your, you have a, any other family members in the team or is just. Yeah, yeah. So my brother is the co-founder. He's on the technical side. He was a developer. At Microsoft, okay. and I was a business person, so it was the best combination. And that again goes back to what I was saying earlier. I mean, I get to work yeah. with my brother and we get along really well. So hey, what can I ask for? Uh, no, that, no, that's awesome though. That's awesome. Uh, I no, because because uh, you know because my family, you know, they have their own business and stuff. So I do understand you know the family dynamics. It can be, uh, it, it can get interesting. But also the same too. When you talk about entrepreneurship, I'm like you know. Uh, from the outside, it's all it, it. It sounds fun and stuff, but of course, you know, uh, there are. Uh, when, when you mention about overnight success, or, or, you are right to say, yeah. I mean, there's long years of you know behind the scenes sweat and uh, sweat and blood, tears. I mean, you name it, you know. So, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm just uh, actually impressed, and also I'm glad that you got to share that story, you know, because that that's something like for young guys like me. We need to hear that, you know, and um, I know as much as, you know, we like to watch a lot of YouTube videos and Gary Vee videos and stuff, but, you know, at the end of the day, you got to like kind of 
put things in action, right? So, uh, no, I think yeah. it's the best time in the world right now, Marcus, to go and do something, right? Again, the bottom line is it's good to actually learn a few things before you jump into something. Um, you know, I would highly recommend, you know, because people get an idea and they're like, oh my God, I'm just going to go and do this thing. Find industries and or companies which are related and go and just work there for free for a few months. I don't think anybody's going to have a problem with that. You know, and learn the business a little bit, you know, because you don't, because, you know, when you start your own company and you put every penny of your savings into it, you know, you don't have that many chances, you know? So the point is, you know, why are you going to go completely fresh into a new business, you know, without just an idea, you know? So get some ground experience before you actually do your thing. So in our particular case, while we were building out our product, we were still consulting with a lot of our potential customers, you know, and, you know, we were just giving, I mean, again, in most cases, everybody has some skill that they can market, some kind of a service, you know, like in our case, you know, we were consulting on marketing projects, video streaming stuff and, and so forth, right? Because we were experts in that. So whatever you are, business you are getting into, start a consulting business on the side associated to that. First of all, it makes you, keeps you real because you're inside the industry and you're seeing what yeah. in reality, what is going on. You're not inside your bubble, inside your garage and thinking that, Oh my God, man, I got the best thing here. You know, so like having right, yeah. the pulse of the real market is very good. And then once your product is out, you also have, you know, the, the connections in that industry to actually show them the stuff. You're not just coming there fresh, you know, out of your garage, like, Hey man, I just saw the light of day after two years, you know, because then you can be like out of touch with the reality of stuff. Right. So the point is, mm -hmm. um, if you cool. are planning on starting your own business, get a consulting gig in that world or work for free if nobody's if you don't have the skills yet. Right. But learn, you know, from the real world, you know, and use those learnings to better your product, to sharpen your image, your vision better. You know, and so that when you go to market, you already have connections. You have a really good understanding of what is happening in the real world. And your product is actually going to become a, a fit faster versus not right yeah great yeah yeah, yeah. no we know that those are really good points and uh well, one thing i want to ask you about is you know start you know you, you know you have built a distributed workforce so like uh, how, how are you able to do that i mean i mean could you just shed some light yeah, on that or yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the point is at this stage, you know, uh, there is lots of tools available right now. Um, you know, there's lots of companies out there who help you do that, you know, in terms of they'll do all the paperwork for you if you have people in different parts of the world. Uh, Upwork, U-P-W-O-R-K, is a <laughs> great place to start because you've got right. you know, amazing talent from all across the world there. If you like some people there, Again, we were using Upwork for many years, you know, over the years, and we had established some amazing connections through Upwork. So when our company started, you know, on a growth trajectory, we actually hired a lot of those people who were mostly contractors with us before, right? So I think mm -hmm. those okay. kind of places where there's a marketplace, you know, for talent is a great place because you get to work with them a little bit. You don't have to immediately hire them first, right? So you get to work with them a little bit and see their skill set. And yeah, if they're great, you bring them on board. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Okay. No, that, no, that's good to know. Uh, that's really great to know. And uh, and one more thing with regards to events, because I know uh, a lot of people who I met over here who start their own events, you know, uh, thing is that like, for, I think for them, it's more like a, events is not a, a money making strategy. It's part of their 
it's a it's a cost of business. So, I mean, I guess the I guess you understand the question I'm going to come up with is like how can an organization can turn an event into a to to have an ROI. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Again, two different kinds of events, Marcus. So the, what you're talking about on one side is a company, a corporation doing an event. The event is what they use for branding purposes and for lead generation purposes and so okay. forth. They don't make money off it for the most part. Uh, and then there's other companies out there whose job is to do events, you know, like they're a third party. This is not their core business. They're an event company and they'll do an event for cryptocurrency or whatever, whatever's the latest trend in the market, right? And then sure, sure. they make yeah. their money from ticketing and they make their money from uh, sponsors and exhibitors. You know, so as a, if you want to start a small event, again, you know, the, the you have to draw at least some amazing speakers. You got to build some kind of a community and then you, right. then the sponsors and exhibitors will come because, you know, that's what they are there for. They're there for, uh, you know, uh, uh, the uh, kind of people who will come who could potentially become their customers. You know, so the goal is focus on, um, yes, impart knowledge, but then on the other side, also understand that in the same way as you are sitting here trying to figure out, you know what, how can I become part of this next wave, the cryptocurrency blockchain wave? Well, there is okay. thousands and thousands of people across the world who are in the same spot as you. So like having uh, an event that focuses just on, hey, how do you start a blockchain business? And then, you know, there's a bunch of vendors who will, you know, sell you their services on how to do that. So there's some speakers who will talk about how to start a blockchain business, your own token, whatever cryptocurrency, you know, and plus, by the way, here's those 10 technologies, you know, who are going to be exhibiting and also tell you how to start and where to start and how much they were going to charge you. So it's like a workshop of like being a, crypto entrepreneur, blockchain entrepreneur, starting your own blockchain crypto deal. You know, how do you do that? Where do you start? You know, that that's a great event. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. No, no this is a, a pretty, pretty great info though. But anyways, I know we are almost at the end. So I would love to uh, give you the closing remarks and where can people, where can people uh, find you if they mm-hmm. want to start they need help with, you know, uh, coming up with their own events and um, or maybe start their own, create their own virtual hybrid events. So what, mm-hmm. what they need to do? Yeah, certainly. So I think, um, you know, the best place to find us is on social27.com, which is our website. I mean, there's, you know, you can certainly contact us from there. But again, uh, my team is always on LinkedIn as well. I'm there very active on LinkedIn. So yeah, please right. feel free to find us social 27 on our website and or LinkedIn. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Anyways, I thank you so much for delivering such a great, uh, uh, great info about events and the technology behind uh, hybrid events and especially social 27. And, and, and once again, Hey, congratulations on the success. And I know, uh, bigger things are, are the best is yet to come. So uh, thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Marcus, for having me. This was a pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Take these now. Y'all be, anyways, everybody, uh, y'all be good. Y'all be safe. We'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.